So we are taking this journey in the month of September. It's a little different. Normally here at New Hope, we teach through books of the Bible, and we will be getting back to that um, in October. We're going to go back to the book of Genesis. Woo! In the beginning, all right? And, uh, and so it, we're going to dig deep into some things in the book of Genesis uh, in through Christmas. So Christmas, oh my gosh, stop talking, right? All right, so as, as we get closer to that through the fall, but, uh, but yeah, the book of Genesis will be awesome. So this is a series that we wanted to get into for a lot of people who are new to New Hope. Uh, many of you maybe started coming over the summer, that kind of thing. And just for us to get back to our vision here at New Hope, we have our mission statement, which is to help those who are broken find wholeness in Christ. And the question is, how do we do that? And that's what we're teaching through this month is four key words that we connect, see connected to God's promise. Everybody say promise. Promise. promise is a good thing, right? Because you can't get into your purpose unless you walk into God's promise. And, uh, and that's what we're going to be looking at. We believe that God's promises are the keys that unlock and open the doors for your purpose. And so, so we'll dig into that in a minute. Now, we have these things that we ask you to grab and use, and it's these reading plans. And so if you haven't grabbed one of these, you can still grab one. There's a few, I think, left out there on the tables um, as you head out, or you can get it on your phone, mynewhope.tv forward slash um, purpose, and uh, on the web app, all that stuff. It is on there. And on it, uh, we also have the reading plan for you to get into God's Word every day. It's simple, it's quick, and uh, to, to let God's Word soak into your mind, into your life, to spend time in prayer. God wants to hear from you. He loves you like a kid, and He wants to hear the stories. He wants to know how you're doing. And, um, and so I would encourage you to spend time every day just doing that, and that you can use that tool uh, to do that. Now, there's also on there a memory verse, and that memory verse is there for us to put in our Memories, right? It's to memorize it. It's to hide it in our minds so that when the Holy Spirit needs to remind us of truth, it's already in us. And so that way it can come out of us whenever the Holy Spirit's ready to use it. And, uh, and so we're going to move to the second one for this series, which is 1 John 2.17. I'm going to ask everybody to read this out loud with me. So if you're ready, everybody say, yep. yep. All right, let's read this together. The world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of God lives forever. That's a good promise. Like this world, temporary, poof, it's gone. Like, and, and yet if we walk into God's will, God's first will for us is salvation. It's these promises we're talking about. And if you walk into salvation, you get to live forever with him, which is awesome. And, uh, and so this connects directly to these four promises that we're talking about this morning. Now, I want us to uh, look at just a quick passage. If you have your Bibles, you can open to this. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 20 and 22 is what we're going to read to start off the message this morning. I always say, bring your Bibles with you. If you don't have a Bible, they're free Bibles around the, that wall on the other side. Grab a Bible, write your name in it, take it home. It's yours, all right? We want you to have a Bible. Or there's lots of Bible apps on your phone. As long as you turn your texting off and do not disturb, awesome, right? Like, because we can easily get distracted by the scores or whatever's going on on our phones. And so, um, so uh, you can get to that in a minute. If you don't know where books of the Bible, I always say, it's okay. It's a big book, right? <laughs> like use this thing in the front called the Table of Contents and find that, that book and turn to that page and then you'll be able to find chapters and verses. Don't ever feel like, oh, other people know what I don't. And do you know what's true? That will always be true. <laughs> there are always people who know more than you and uh, there's lots of people who know way more than me. Uh, we should never feel guilty or ashamed. We should just accept where we're at and continue to grow. Amen. All right, so here in New Hope, we welcome you no matter where you're at. So I guess I should open my Bible too, huh? Um, since I'm reading it. So 2 Corinthians, um, Paul gives this awesome word um, in this letter to the church in Corinth. 
And, uh, and so let's stand together if, you, if you're able to stand with me as we read God's word. And, and uh, we stand here to honor uh, the scriptures and to honor God as we read his word. So this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 20. It says, For no, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his Holy Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. God, we are grateful that for us, even in the promises of the Old Testament, have become yes and amen in Christ for us today. That what you've said you will do, and we're going to trust you in it, God. Increase our faith today. If we're lacking in faith, increase it. Help us see you for who you are. And let your word this morning penetrate our hearts. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, would you say something to us? Connect us to the kingdom of heaven right now, God. Because this world is so loud, and there's so many things loud in our lives, help us turn down the volume in the world and turn up the volume of the Spirit. So just lead us this morning in Christ's name. Everybody said amen. 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 This is such a good word, isn't it? I mean, I could preach on this one. It's not my sermon. I just wanted it to prep our hearts and spirits, all right? So like this one, so we're talking about promises, right? We're talking about four key promises. And what we see in the New Testament is all those promises are yes and amen. Do you know what amen means? So be it. It's like, it's like an assurance, like, amen, it's done. Like, if God said it, it is. Like, there's no, there's no wavering in the word of God and the promise of God. And so when we're talking about four promises, we're talking about four things that are solid in the presence of God, that are already yes and amen for you if you are a Christ follower and have the deposit guarantee of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so we want to walk into these, these promises with conviction. Here's what a promise is. Um, a promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. How many things in your life have that? <laughs> How many TV commercials do you watch? <laughs> right? It's an offer with a guaranteed result or your money back, right? Like, like we think about that. But with God, his promise is an offer, meaning it, he's, he hands his, or his promise is in his hand just hanging out there. And the thing is when we grab it and walk into it, there is a guaranteed result that God will do what he said he will do as we walk in obedience in what he calls us to do. That's the type of thing we're walking into. And in this, we're talking about four key promises that he made. I'm going to catch us up real quick if you haven't been here. Just like I'm hoping to do this in five minutes. Real quick. Uh, we're, we're reading in the book of Exodus, chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, where the Israelites were God's people. He chose them from Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob. They became this nation. This nation became a slave nation under Egypt. Pharaoh ruled over them and used them for his purposes. And God said, that's not where I want you. That isn't my dream for you. That's not my purpose for you. And he, he picks this guy, Moses, Big Mo, and says, I want you to go lead my people out of this slavery. And I'm going to give them promises. And Moses, you get to be part of these promises as well. And so we get into this verse, and this is what God says to, to Moses, to his people, trying to get them out of this land of slavery. He says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, which is a good place to start. <laughs> we start with God as Lord, not God as good idea, not God as 
last escape plan. We start with God is Lord, capital L. I mean, he rules and leads my life. And so he says, I am the Lord. I am it. And I will bring you out from the yoke of the Egyptians. His promise is, I'm going to get you out of that land. <laughs> I'm going to take you out from underneath the control of Pharaoh. I'm getting you out of Egypt, is promise number one. And then he says this. He says, and I will free you from being slaves to them. It's like, didn't you just say that, God? He's like, well, no, it's a little different. I'm going to take you out of the land, but then I got to take the land out of you. Meaning you've lived as a slave, but you still think like a slave, even though you're out of the land. So I'm going to take the slavery out of you as well. So I'm free from the land. I'm free from thinking like a slave. This is a good promise. Amen? And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. This is what we're talking about today, this promise right here. All right? This is an awesome key. So I will redeem you. And he says, and I will take you as my own people. Why? Because God wants people. God doesn't need people. He chose to love people, create people, because he wants a relationship with people. That is our God, Amen. right? And so he says, you're going to be my people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, again, capital L, your God. So he's Lord, and it's personal, your God. I want to rule and reign because I have good things for you, and I want to be your God, meaning I want you to choose me too, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So these are the promises, these four I will statements, right? And we use these for us to understand the promises we walk into our vision here at New Hope. And we use four words, and these four words are connect, grow, serve, and go, okay? So connect, grow, serve, go. Let's say it together, ready? Connect, grow, serve, go. This is how we accomplish our mission at New Hope. We help you take a journey to connect with God and others, to grow, to be set free from things, right? To grow, connect, grow, serve, to learn how to use what God's put in you, to go, to love people, because that's who God's calling. He wants people. And so connect for us, it's this word salvation. He says, I will bring you out. He wants to save us from the land of slavery. He just wants to get us out of the land, right? That's the first step for you is a relationship with God. God wants to connect with you. And he wants you to connect with him and walk into that relationship. This is what we say. This is our phrase, the lost get found. When you connect with God, boom, you get found into the kingdom of heaven, which is so awesome. Isn't that good? Yeah, yeah so that's the first promise. He's going to save us. Then we say connect, grow. The second promise is I will free you from being slaves. We use the word freedom on this to grow. You grow from being a slave. This is, this is for us, as we say, the found get freed, meaning you're saved and now you're getting sin out of you, right? You're no longer a slave to sin. You're saved from sin, but there's still kind of sin in us. We still wrestle and struggle with things in life. And he says, now I'm going to take you on a journey to free you from that. You don't have to be owned by it, by hangups, hurts, habits, like all those things can start to be, to, to, to start to be free from those things in your life. We want to help you grow, right? So that's, that's promise number two. We help you connect with God and then grow. The third one is the word redeem. He says, now we'll redeem you. We use the word serve here because we believe God is redeeming you to your original intent and purpose. That God wants to get you back to where he dreamed for you, right? And so this is what we say, that freed people, they don't live for themselves, right? We're not consumers when we're freed people. We serve others. We look to the interests of others. We love others. 
And Jesus Christ is the absolute example of what that looks like. So we start to look more like Jesus. We start to serve others and live into God's purpose for us. And the last one is, is the word fulfillment. That he says, I want to make you my own people. That God's fulfillment is that he has a people. That is the fulfillment of his work. That's the fulfillment of the work of Christ, that one day all of his people would be with him forever in eternity. That is the fulfillment. We use the word go because if, we're, if we don't go, we're not doing what God called us to do. He wants more people. <laughs> He's calling people in his presence to, to connect with him in a relationship. And so, <clears throat> so with this promise, we say God's people love people. That's what we do. That's what we're called to do, right? And so these are these four promises that unlock our purpose. These are the keys to help us walk into what God has called us personally to walk into. And today we're talking about this word redeem, okay? Everybody say this word with me. Redeem. Redeem. Um, this word redeem, <clears throat> sorry, I have a dry throat. Just a second. This word redeem um, here's some definitions of the word redeem. To buy back. It's like, you, you ever done that, sold something, and you're like, dang it, I shouldn't have sold that? And what do you have to do to get it back? Hopefully buy it. You don't steal it, right? You don't go back like, that's mine, sorry. Go to the garage sale. Like, you buy it back, or to change for the better, to redeem something back to better, or to repair or restore something. Anybody like shows where like, that happens, things get repaired or restored? Um, I, I love car shows like that, like where it's like an old rust bucket thing and by the end it's like glowing and shiny and like, whoo, like, yeah, I can have Motor Trend on my TV all day long. So, or, or some of you like, you know, like the antique shows where they restore antiques. I, I like those too. Um, but to bring it back to its original like beauty, right? This is the phrase I use. I believe when we hear this word redemption, for God, for us, it's to bring back to original intent. That God has a dream for you. He has a purpose for you. When he knit you in your mother's womb, he knew you. And he wants you to get back to his original intent for you. And his original intent is good. He prepared good works for you to do. He didn't prepare bad works for you. Good works. And so when we go through life, we are going to get sideswiped. Things are going to be hard. We're going to go through valleys. But even in those valleys, sometimes God's using the valleys to bring redemption because he has to prune things that shouldn't be in us so he can redeem and put us back to the purpose he called us to. It's his plan. And we want to walk back into God's original dream for our lives. Can I get an amen there? Amen. Like that's what we all desire deep inside of us. And I know in this room, all of us are at different parts of our journey when I say that. Some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Tim. I don't even know how to get to where you're talking about. Welcome to New Hope. We want to help you. Some of you are like, I am living my dream right now. I do feel like I'm walking into my calling. Awesome. Everybody else is jealous of you, all right? Because 93% of people don't know their purpose. I want you to know it. God wants you to know it. He's not hiding it. There's some things that we need to walk into. And so this word redeem, right? When he says, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. What does this mean? This is God's plan for redemption. This is actually the only I will statement that comes with a how he's going to do it. All the other ones are just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This one's like, I'm going to do it. And this is how outreach arm, so outstretched arm, and then mighty acts of judgment. What, is, what does that mean? So 
So let's talk about it. You can fill in the blanks if you've got your worship programs. Um, there's lots of fill in the blanks there. You can fill them in. God's plan for redemption, the first plan is with his outstretched arm. And I've talked about this. You guys have heard me talk about this. Some people think that God's outstretched arm is there to slap you, right? Like he's, stra- he's like reaching out and then pop, pop, pop. Like just, you know, whacking it because you're just making bad choices. That's not what he's talking about at all. Let me paint a picture for you. God had a dream for his people in Israel. His nation was a slave nation underneath Pharaoh. And he looked at his people and he heard their cries and said, that is a lower position than I have called for my people. They are in a lower place than I ever intended for them to be in. For me to get them out of the lower place, I'm going to outreach, I'm going to stretch out my arms so I can pull them to a higher place. This is, is it out, this is his outstretched arm for us. It's not there to whack us. It's there to pull us, to lift us up when we are in lower places in our life. Now, we get into lower places by multiple things, right? Some of us make bad choices. Me too, right? We all make bad choices and get ourselves in lower places than we ought to be. And we think, oh, well, God's just going to condemn me for being there. He's going to, and it's like, when you repent, say, God, I need help. His outstretched arm is already there saying, I didn't want you in that lower place. Thank you. And he starts pulling you out. That's his promise of redemption. He wants to redeem you from that back to his plan. This is God's grace. Isn't his grace good? We need his grace every single day. Without God's grace, we would not survive in his presence. He sees us through the lens of his son, Jesus Christ. And when he sees that, he sees, oh, that is my son and my daughter. And my hand is just out at all times. They're starting to drown. I, I'm, I'm reaching out to them. I hope they grab my hand because I want to pull them up. I want to lift them out. Sometimes we are in lower places because of things other people do to us. Because choices they make to sin against us, to hurt us, And in those situations, just so you know, God sees it. He knows it. He weeps with you in it. But he doesn't want you to become a victim and stay lower than you ought to be. He still wants to reach his hand out and lovingly pull you up out of that. This is God's outstretched arm for us. This is who God is. He made this promise to Israel, and he says, I'm going to redeem you because you're in a lower place than I want you to be. And he makes these other promises. In Deuteronomy um, chapter 28, verse 13, he, he lets them know, he says, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. It's no fun being the tail. The tail gets wagged, right? Like, that's what happens. The tail is not in control. The tail is just whatever else is going on in that body. The tail is just following along. He's like, no, 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 you're not going to be, the, you're going to be the head. You're going to be leading. You're going to be out front. That's where I call you to be. Some of you feel like your life is the tail right now, right? Life is just, you're just trying to hang on. I understand how that feels. I know how that feels. This week, I know how that feels, right? But I also know God's promise to say, no, I'm going to make you the head. I want you to lead out of this as I outstretch my hand and pull you up and out. We're not called to be enslaved, but to be awakened to purpose. So I don't know where you're at today. <clears throat> I don't know how low you feel. I would ask you to reach out to God's hand. Call upon him. Let him meet you and reach out to you. 
because that is his promise. Remember, God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So when you do it, he has to do it. If he said it, he's obligated to follow through. Isn't that good? Okay. God uses everything he has to redeem us. He does not withhold anything. Think about this. Um, think about how do, you, how do you figure out what something's worth, the value of something? Like if, you, if you're trying to sell something and you're thinking, oh, I think it's going to be worth this, and you go out and you list it on you know, Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or somewhere, and you put, you know, this is the value of it. Um, and then you start getting people messaging you and texting you and, and saying, oh, well, I would give you this much or I'd give you that much. What ends up being the value of that thing? whatever someone's willing to give you for it, right? (laughs) Whatever they pay you for it, that was its value, okay? Now, when we think about that in the realms of like cars, vehicles, maybe antiques, that kind of stuff, um, some people go crazy. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen something that you look at and you're like, that is just butt ugly. Like, it's just, that thing is just like, who would want that thing? You know, like, that is worthless. That has like no value. I'll give you 10 cents for it, right? And, um, and like, sometimes I watch those shows where they do that with antiques and stuff. And, um, and you're like, that's, and then the, the guy comes back and says, oh, by the way, and here's the story about it. And they share the story about this one thing. You're like, but it's ugly. But this is the only thing this one artist ever made. And he was actually a famous artist and here's the story behind it. This would be valued at $1.4 million at auction today. And you're like, what? This ugly thing? Yeah, because that's what somebody's willing to buy it for. Now, here's the thing. Whether you think yourself beautiful or you think yourself ugly, you think yourself holy or you think yourself broken, God's value on you was worth his son, Jesus. That's what you were worth to God. He withholds nothing to help you understand your value as he outstretches his arm to you. You with me? This is the good God who makes these promises. So he, God's plan for redemption starts with an outstretched arm. And then the second part he says, and it also is with his judgment against my enemy. His judgment against my enemy. Some think that that phrase that when you read it, it kind of doesn't make sense. So he's going he's gonna to redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. Like you think against us, like against the Israelites, like against two. And no, 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 it's against the enemies, right? He said, my, what did he do to Pharaoh? <laughs> God's judgment was against Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, if you don't do what I say, here comes a plague. Oh, you're not still? Here's another plague. Oh, okay, another plague, right? Like his acts of judgment were just flying out of him. And then they got out of the land of slavery and they moved in towards, heading towards God's promised land. Unfortunately, took a side trip, a little detour for 40 years in the desert. Oops. Um, just so you know, it's better to walk in God's promise. Okay, that's a whole other story with the Israelites when they, they didn't do what God told them and they did their own thing and they had to live in the consequences. You'll always have consequences for your actions on this earth. Like, it, you always will. That doesn't mean God isn't still reaching his hands out and he still doesn't want to redeem you. <clears throat> so his acts of judgment were against the enemy Pharaoh, but their battles weren't over yet. You read through the story and you understand that where they're about to head into the promised land, it's not just vacant land. It's already full of some nations and some cities and some fortified cities and giants. 
And so God's promise was, I'm going to show mighty acts of judgment, first against Pharaoh, and then the next enemy, and then the next enemy, and then the next enemy, and then the enemy after that. And he goes, walk with me, and you'll see my promises. I will be fighting for you. I will be judging your enemy. Why? Because you're my people. This is who God is. That God wants to judge our enemy. Now, who is our main enemy right now? Satan. His name is Satan. He's a jerk. Um, he's a liar. He's a thief. He, he, he wants to kill God's purpose in your life. And, and he's continually trying to pull you away. And he does it in a few different ways. It's interesting. You, this is just a quick verse in First Thessalonians because Paul wanted to travel and he wanted to go visit them at this church. And he said, for we wanted to come to you so many times. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. There was a li- he, this is what Satan does. Now, if you are a Christian, I do not believe that, Christ, or that Satan can um, be inside of you. I don't think that. I think he can oppress you. I, th- I think that um, he tries to oppress and distract you and pull you away from your purpose that God has for you. He is our number one enemy, okay? Now, our number two enemy are stupid people. <laughs> I'm not saying all people are stupid. I'm saying some of them, all right? So, like, there are people with evil intent against you. Those are not God's people. Those are the enemy's people, who try to steal and distract and kill in your life. So the enemy can do it himself or he can use other people to do it. We have a choice if we're going to let that happen, okay? And so with this, we need to be very careful. I think there's two key ways that the enemy keeps you from purpose. And and number one is this. I think the enemy keeps you away from purpose uh, by keeping you busy and distracted. I th- honestly, I think that's the biggest one in our culture today that, that the enemy uses to keep you away from your purpose. It's just keep you so daggum busy, so daggum distracted. You can't think straight. You can't, like, you can't rest in God's presence. You don't ever take Sabbath. You don't, you don't ever breathe. It's just day after day after day after day. You know, it's like busy and distracted. Um, our, our boys, when they were younger, our, our, um, our two oldest boys, Grayson and Nat, they, they both played baseball, and I was so proud of Grayson. So Grayson's our oldest. He's the one that has high-functioning autism. So first off, outside, he just doesn't like it, right? So like the fact that he and his brother played baseball when it was like coach's pitch. Anybody know coach's pitch? So there's, I don't know how many strikes they get. It's like 1,000, I think. Um, and it depends on how the coach throw in. You know, it's like, get it, give us a new coach, you know, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> and so the game can go on for a little bit longer, you know, than normal games. And, uh, and I remember Grayson and one of the games, I don't know how old he was. He's probably, I don't know, six or seven. I don't know how old he was, but um, that he, he, he was right field outfield, right? So like he, the, the, not, it's like, just go over there, right, Grayson? Like, and, and I remember, we remember watching him out in the field. There's a game going on, but what do you think Grayson was doing? He was picking up grass and throwing it up and just watching that land and picking up more grass and throwing it up and watching that land. And like, if a ball came his way, he wouldn't have known it, right? He's like, he's in his own little world. He's just distracted by like grass and, and bees and whatever's going on right in front of him. And, uh, and so if the ball actually got hit to him and his, it would go by him and they'd be like, you know, yelling or whatever. And then he'd have to, where is it? And he'd have to go find it. And by that time, you know, it's like a triple or a home run, you know, like, 
and uh, the other team won, wins, you know. The thing is, that is what the enemy does to us, right? In life, that, that so often we're, we feel like we're in the game. Maybe we're Christians. We're in the game. We're saved. But we're so distracted and so busy. It's like us just kind of throwing grass up in the air and the enemy's like throwing grass at you. And you're like, where's this grass coming from? I don't know where it's coming from. And then, and then like you notice your shoe's untied and then, and then you start walking, your other shoe gets untied. And like the enemy just keeps doing stuff over and over and over again to keep you distracted and busy. And he's keeping you out of the game. You might be on the team, but you're not in the game. When it comes to being a part of the body of Christ, you got to be on the team, but honestly, more importantly, you got to be in the game. If you're not, you're never going to find your purpose. You're just going to live life and then die one day. If you want your purpose, you got to get in the game. You got to start using what God gave you. You got to start learning and growing and taking steps and being proactive and learning the position God wants you to play on that team. He has a purpose for you in the body of Christ. He has a purpose for you at your workplace, at your school, wherever you hang out. You're there on purpose. Don't let the enemy keep you busy and distracted. And the second thing I believe he does is he keeps you spiritually nearsighted. Spiritually nearsighted. What, what does that mean? If you're nearsighted, all you can see is kind of like right here, right? Really close. And, um, and if you're spiritually nearsighted, usually it's, it's almost like this. If you're spiritually nearsighted, you're living life and you're, maybe you're learning some stuff, but what you're learning is more like you're looking in a mirror. Like everything you learn is about you, and how it affects you and what you're learning and what's going on in your life. And your spiritual life is more about you just looking in the mirror. That's spiritually nearsightedness. Honestly, you'll never find your purpose if all you do is look at you. You need to turn that mirror into a window and start looking out. Because when you're not spiritually nearsighted, you're spiritually farsighted. You can see the needs that God has all around you with the people he wants you to bless. And it's no longer about your spirituality. It's about God using you to help other people find him, help other people grow, help other people with your gifts being a part of the body of Christ. So some of us need to turn our mirrors into windows <laughs> and start looking out at other people. God's purpose for you is way more about we than it is about me. Amen. We know that in churches, especially in America, 20% of the people in the church do 100% of the work, while 80% come and go. That's a, that's a crappy number. Like, it shouldn't be that way. Which also proves the point why 93% of Christian church attenders don't know their purpose. Because they haven't even started the journey to figure it out. They're coming, they're sitting, they're leaving, they're coming, they're sitting, they're leaving, they're coming, they're sitting, they're leaving. And the American church has become a consumer-driven thing that God never intended it to be. He intended it to be a living body of people connected using everything that God put in every single one. What if every single one of you lived into your purpose? What if? Would this church look different? Would your workplace look different? Would your family look different? Things would look different. 
We want to help you on that journey to find your purpose. And I believe there are three steps to start the process. So I'm, I'm kind of wrapping up here. Three steps to live out your purpose. Number one is to discover your gift. We, I, we read it all throughout the New Testament where we know the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ gives the church and gives you spiritual gifts, gifts that he wants you to use. When we talk about gifts, we don't, we're not talking about as like a, a present that you get that's all about you. That's not what we're talking about. Like that kind of gift is, is a gift that you get and you like unwrap it and then you show it off and it's just yours. We're talking about gifts that he gives us to use to bless other people. It's, again, it's more about we than me. And when he gives us these gifts, here's just one verse, if I can get to it. Romans 12, 6 is, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Meaning all of us have different things. It could be gifts of service, could be gifts of prophecy or teaching, it could be gifts of help or mercy. Like there's lots of gifts that we read about and all of them are needed. We want to help you discover those. That's why we do this in our growth track, if you haven't been through that, we, you can take an assessment to kind of start to learn what are some of my spiritual gifts. And equip, we do the same thing. You go deeper into that. What is my spiritual gifts? How can I use them? We want you to discover those here at New Hope and learn what they are, but you can't just discover them. You have to take the next step, number two, which is to develop your gift, okay? If all you do is know about it, that's like knowing you have air conditioning in your car, but never turning it on. Duh. Like, like <laughs> in August in Ohio, it's at 90 degrees. Like, why would you? It's there, but I love sweating to death, right? Like, it's like, no, no, no. You got to use it. You got to start developing it. You still got to push that button and be like, okay, what is this? How, how can I, how can I figure it out. Well, it says this in Ephesians 4, 7 and verse 11 and 12, and this is a calling for you and for us as spiritual leaders in the church. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ is the one through the Holy Spirit that, that, that decides what each of us get. That's up to God, okay? And then he says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. So those are the leadership gifts that come into the church, whether that's elders or pastors that help shepherd the body of Christ. Like some are uh, apostles, some are prophets that speak in truth, right? The evangelists reaching out to lost people, the pastors shepherding, making sure everybody's taken care of, and, uh, and teachers, let's understand God's word. Why are those leaders in place? To equip his people, all of us, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We want you to develop your gift, not just know it, but like start practicing so that we can develop as a church. We can become all that God would call us to be, that every need in this church body can be met. That is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And it takes all of us doing it. So you have to discover, you have to develop it. And the last thing is you just got to use it. <laughs> use your gifts. Don't sit on them. Do something with them. Do something with God. God put inside of you. Use your gift, 1 Peter 4.10, very plainly just says this. And let's, let's say these uh, orange words together, all right? Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now he's saying we need to use our gifts to do what? To serve, to serve others. It's more about we than me. 
I'm using this to bless the body of Christ. Now, here's the amazing thing. When you use your gift, something supernatural happens. This is not like just being good at something. You know, like some people are like, I'm good at tic-tac-toe. Woohoo! right? Like, so is everybody else, right? But like, you may say, I'm good at tic-tac-toe. Like, you know, okay. Or I'm good at, you know, I'm good at writing. Awesome. You can write, you can do tic-tac-toe and just be good at it. Whenever you're using the spiritual gifts, this is amazing. The Holy Spirit does things in somebody else's spirit that has nothing to do with you. It's where spiritual power comes from. It's like, so God, is, one of my gifts is teaching, right? So like I get up here and I just blah, 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 right? It just comes out of me and it's, it's just a gift. Now here's the thing. I don't know what God wants to do with it. I don't know what he's doing in all of your lives. Here's the spiritual power. God knows what he wants to do in your life and you hear something. That is God. It's not Tim. It's not Tim just being a good speaker. No, it's the power of God using a gift to bless the body. All of us, whatever gift you have, that's what he does. When you use it, you get to be a faithful steward. When I think when we get to heaven and God says good and faithful servant, I think this is what he's talking about. You've used what I've given you. You didn't bury it. You didn't hide it. You used it. And the body of Christ grew because of it. You were a faithful steward. Now, when you use your gift, you have to kill comparison. You can't compare what God gave you to anybody else. Okay? Because all of it is important. Every single person is valuable because you were worth Jesus to God. That means what's in you was worth Jesus to God. And what's in you is worth Jesus to the church. <laughs> so he says, use it. Now, I want to give you a next step. Some of you in this room, you serve. Maybe some of you, you serve too much. Anybody have the yes syndrome where you just say yes? Stop it. <laughs> Honestly, like some of you, I do need to say stop because like you will say yes no matter what and you need to create some margin and just use the one gift or use one or two of those gifts and don't feel like you have to say yes or you're feeling guilty and God's going to zap you because you didn't say yes, okay? Some of you, you just need to simmer down, all right? Now, that's, that's honestly, that's 1% of you, okay? So the rest of the 99% of you, get off your butt, right? Like start serving, start using what God gave you. Take a step. And if you're new to New Hope, here's the good news. You can take a step. It's not like, well, I gotta be here for about six months and then I gotta have a meeting with a pastor and then I gotta, no, 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 no. Sign up today. We want you to take your next step. If you've been here a little bit longer and haven't taken your next step, take your next step. We have a table outside in the, on the porch out there that we have all the sign-up sheets and we have lots of different ministries listed like student ministries and kids ministries and uh, worship ministries and tech and um, there's things you can do outside of our church like serve as a mentor for O-Huddle connected to us as a church, pregnancy care center, doing outreach events, Take your next step, and if it's not any of these, say, I don't know what it is, then get into growth track, and we'll help you in that journey to figure out what is my next step. But I'm just saying, take a step. Every single one of our ministries needs more people to take that step, honestly. Like, we need more people doing the work in ministry here because there are people who are tired because they do a lot of ministry here, and if all of us did the ministry, it, the load would be light, and it would be even more enjoyable for you and for them. 
So take a step. Sign up to take your next step. Whether it's on the table or you can mark your Connect card, however you want to do that, I would encourage you to take a step. Everybody say it with me. Take a step. We want you to walk into God's purpose, and he wants to redeem and bring you back to his original intent. His arm is outstretched to you. He is fighting against your enemies, and he is opening a door for you to walk into purpose. Let's, let's pray. We're going to take some time to respond here in prayer. God, thank you so much for your word. God, um, we know that this morning, the biggest hurdle for a lot of us to get over in this stuff is fear. Maybe we tried stuff in the past and it's like, it didn't work then, so it's not going to work now. Or, or maybe we're just, we don't know what it looks like on the other side. I pray that you would help us move from fear to faith. Because we know that you said that you want to redeem us. You said that you've given us gifts. You, you promised all these things. Help us move from fear to faith and step into this so we can start to unlock our purpose. This morning, I know there are some people who are deep in a pit. Life is not easy right now. And right now, they just need to hear that your arm is reaching out to them. Help them see your hand reached out, God. Help them feel your peace, your grace, and your love this morning. This morning, if if you know that you live a life that is busy and distracted, this morning, would you be intentional? And even just on your worship program and your stream out somewhere, start making a list of things that distract you. Because when you do, you name the thing the enemy uses. And you can start fighting with God to remove them, to take them out of your life so that you can start to walk into purpose. Maybe for you, you've lived a long time spiritually nearsighted. Today, would you start looking in the window of God's family and move from me to we? In a moment, we're going to take communion. And uh, Sam is going to lead us in, in that time of communion in a moment. And so you know, if you join us online, you can join us too in communion. But, but communion is the reminder of your value to God. Right? It's Christ's body, blood, broken and shed for you. That's what you're worth to him. Today, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you haven't started a relationship with God, you haven't taken the first promise to be saved, you can start today and you can start a relationship. We just know you just need to repent, confess, and believe. Repent just means you're turning away from your old life. You're like, I don't want that anymore. I'm turning to you, God. Confess, meaning you're gonna confess with your mouth. You're gonna say to God, this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus is your son and that he died for me on the cross and I want to be with you forever. And you can start a relationship today. Walk into promise number one. If you walk into promise number one, you can join us in communion because communion is for those who've already walked into that promise of salvation, okay? But if you want that today, I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, 
Sam is going to lead us into that time of response and communion. But if you want to start a relationship today, I would ask you to bow right now. Let's all just bow our heads and you pray to God earnestly with your own words. I mean, I'll give you words to say, but it's not my words that get you there, all right? It's your confession to God. But you can say this to God, just proclaim it. Say, God, I need forgiven of my sins. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I've run from you. But today, God, I know I need you. I believe Jesus is your son and then he died on the cross to pay for the price of my sin. And that he rose again three days later so that I too can have life now and forever. And I'm asking God, forgive me, adopt me into your family. I want to be yours now and forever. Give me your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your peace I want to be yours now and forever. And God, I just proclaim this and ask this in Jesus' name alone. Amen.